Hi everyone, thanks for coming today. Um, I'm Kara and Ben's going to be talking us, to us today about wisdom for life and how to get stuff done. Um, I found these talks really helpful and I hope you do too. Cool. Thanks, Kara. <laughs> uh, well, let me introduce myself a little bit more oh, in case you don't know me. No, no, that's all right. This is part of the talk. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, my name's Ben. I studied science, did neuroscience here uh, at UWA. Um, went and worked for a couple of years as a scientist, as a research assistant up at the Lions Eye Institute. Um, and then after that, I ended up coming back to UWA for a bit to help out with the Christian Union. And so I kind of had sort of general jobs like helping to run Bible study groups and, uh, you know, organising different things. Uh, but the problem was I am not by nature an organised person. And so uh, the two years that I spent doing that, uh, they were good years, but they were stressful years. <laughs> and uh, I have this distinct memory of one Tuesday, the Christian Union public meeting was on, and uh, it had been my job to print out some stuff for this big thing that we were doing. And so I was up at a local church photocopying stuff and I was rushing because it was late. And I can't remember if I caught a bus or I rode my bike or I ran from Shenton Park down to uh, uni to get to this public meeting on time. I didn't get there on time. I got there about 10 minutes late and I kind of burst in the doors, kind of panting and sweating and <laughs> trying to do this announcement while handing out things. And uh, afterwards, the guy who was sort of the head of the Christian Union said to me, you seem kind of rushed. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He <laughs> said, so what happened? And actually, like... Nothing happened. <laughs> Just I happened. <laughs> uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't any sort of bus crash that I could blame it on or some malfunction with the photocopier. It was just me being disorganised and I'd left stuff to the last minute and I turned up late. And it feels like those two years were a whole series of that, of me uh, being disorganised about stuff, forgetting stuff that I was supposed to be at or do, and then other times kind of sitting on the couch at home and feeling this kind of vague anxiety and thinking, what am I, what am I anxious about? You know, oh no, it's that thing. I forgot to do that thing. So why am I telling you this at a talk about getting things done? Uh, because I'm not a natural and I've had to think it through a bit. So hopefully some of the things that uh, I've uh, come across will be helpful for you. But let's talk about sort of people in general. Uh, when you talk to people today, when you say to them, how are you going? What do they say? Good. Good? <laughs> yep. I reckon good's probably the number one answer. I reckon the second most common answer is busy. I'm busy. Um, and it doesn't kind of matter whether you're a student or you're a mum or a lecturer or whatever. Everyone seems to say that their life is busy. But when you stop and think about it, um, is our actual busyness that straightforward? Because, uh, yeah, we do seem to be busier than people in the 1950s. Uh, they seem to have pretty good work hours, they didn't seem to be particularly busy. If you were a worker, you kind of did your job nine to five, then you clocked out of the factory, 
Uh, you came home and you spent your evening having dinner with your family and then you might gather around the radio to hear your favourite radio program together. On the weekend, you kind of went to church. On the Sunday morning, you might have fixed stuff around the house. But life was slower. There wasn't this kind of epidemic of busyness. Uh, if you were a kid, you kind of went to school and then you came home and you rode your bike around with your friends and you did fun stuff. You didn't have all these sort of extracurricular activities that your parents had lined up for you to do. You didn't have to go to the sport and then to the debate thing and then you had to go to this other thing the school was doing and then you had to get up early the next morning to do your swimming training and it didn't seem to work like that. We're busier than we were in the 1950s. Busier than we were in the 1950s, but interestingly, not more busy than people were in the 1850s. Because if you look at working hours in the 1850s, they were really long. Um, if you were a normal worker, you were working very long hours, much longer than the 1950s, much longer than you work now. But people back then didn't tend to describe themselves as busy. Tired, yeah, maybe, exhausted, uh, worn out, stressed, maybe, but not busy. Though they were working a lot longer hours than we do today. So the question is, what's changed? If they were working longer hours in the 1850s but didn't think of themselves as busy, why do we, who are working shorter hours, perpetually describe ourselves as busy? What's changed? Well. Uh, in 2001, a guy called David Allen wrote uh, a famous book called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And in it, he makes the argument that what's changed is not about working hours. What's changed is that our work is more ambiguous. It's not as straightforward what we should be doing. So if you think about your grandfather, um, don't know what he did, he might have been a a sort of factory worker or an office worker, um, just sort of cranking out widgets or just working through his paperwork. Or your grandmother, uh, she was probably a housewife or she might have been a teacher or a nurse. Now those jobs are not necessarily easy. They can be hard jobs, but they're not ambiguous jobs. You know what you're supposed to be doing at any given time. You know that this widget needs to be cranked uh, this house needs to be cleaned, this patient's bandage needs to be changed. And there are still plenty of people who have fairly straightforward jobs like that. You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. They may not be very interesting jobs, you might just be screwing the lids on toothpaste tubes. But you know what you're supposed to be doing. It's not stressful. It might be boring, it might be tiring, but it's not stressful. But increasingly our lives aren't straightforward like that. Being a student isn't like being a worker in a factory. You don't just sort of turn up at nine and crank a widget and then clock out at five. If you're a student, especially today, at any kind of point of the day, you could be doing anything. You don't even need to come to lectures if you don't want to. You could just watch them online later on. At 11 in the morning, you could be watching cat videos on YouTube, you could be uh, going for a walk, you could be just getting out of bed. And at 10 o'clock at night, you could be sitting in the bath watching lectures on your phone. 
You could be studying your politics unit, you could be doing your economics one, you could be making flashcards to help you with your language unit, or you could be working on an essay. You could be doing any number of things and you could be doing them at any point in time. And the problem there is it's not so much busyness, it's the ambiguity of it. What should I be working on at the moment? What are all the things out there that I could be doing? There's umpteen different things I could be doing or not doing at any given time. And that's a problem because our brains are not good at coping with that kind of work. They're really bad at working out what we should be doing and when. So you're sitting in a lecture, uh, you're taking notes, and your pen runs out. And you think, well, not to worry, I've got a, a backup pen in my pencil case. And so you pull it out and you think to yourself, nice work, me, good prior preparation. I have my backup pen with me. Now, all I need to do is remember to buy a new pen when I head back down to the co-op later on. And so you go, file away in brain, buy pen. But next time you're in the co-op, do you remember to buy the pen? Well, chances are probably not. <laughs> chances are you probably just forget it. And if you're anything like me, the moment you remember that you need to get the pen is usually when you're sitting on the bus on the way home. You think, ah, oh, the pen, I meant to get the pen. You remembered, but not at a useful time. And that's how our brains tend to do things. Uh, they don't remember the thing at the moment that you need it. They sort of pop it up later at a time when it's useless. Um, or there's, uh, there's the flip side that um, you're lying there in bed at night, you're thinking and uh, you're trying to get to sleep and then you kind of wake up again thinking about all the dumb stuff that you've ever done or you think about, oh my goodness, that assignment is due tomorrow and I totally forgot about it. It's two o'clock in the morning, you can't do anything. But your brain just kind of pops it up to the surface. I can see some <laughs> car, car is resonating with this. <laughs> Our brains aren't good at that. So with the multiple things we could be doing at any given time and the poor performance of our brains in reminding us about them at appropriate times, then we really struggle to be productive. Uh, and that sucks. Because for one thing, uh, being productive is kind of fun. Like getting stuff done is really enjoyable, much more enjoyable than just procrastinating. And for another, if you don't work out how to manage yourself, then it just makes life really difficult. It makes uni difficult, it makes work difficult, it makes everything more difficult. So then, how can we cope with the ambiguity of life? How can we get on top of things so that we can be more productive? How can we get things done? And that's kind of what David Allen's book is all about. Uh, if you've ever read any stuff on productivity, uh, Googled stuff on the web or anything like that. Almost all of it references him uh, because his book was an instant bestseller and uh, it's been very significant for a lot of people. I think it's probably one of the most helpful books I've ever read, uh, second only to the Bible. Uh, distant second, but, um, but it's been a very helpful book. So what does Alan say about how to get things done? Uh, well, his answer is pretty simple. Make lists. Stop relying on your brain to remember stuff and make lists. Get it out of your head, onto paper, 
onto your phone, onto your computer, whatever you want to use. It actually doesn't matter. You can just use, uh, I think when he wrote the book, he just used index cards for uh, his stuff. He'd make lists on index cards and stick them in his back pocket because this was before the days of smartphones and stuff like that. Um, but whatever it is, the critical thing is to get the stuff out of your head so that you can see what it is and deal with it appropriately instead of forgetting stuff or worrying about it at a time that you can't do anything. If you get it out of your head, you stop worrying about it. So I want to give you just a couple of minutes now to just brainstorm on that piece of paper what are some of the things that are on your mind that you want to get done? Can be anything from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Can be buy a new pencil or travel to Europe. So go for it, just a couple of minutes. Don't think about it. Don't try to think which ones are the most important. Just jot down everything that pops into your head. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff floating around in there, isn't there? Um, probably a lot of stuff uh, in your head. Who managed to write down five things? Who wrote more than five? Ten? <laughs> Anyone 15? You're wow. Okay, yeah. So we've got quite a lot of stuff uh, going around. And you can understand that if you're trying to keep track of all that in your own head, that can be a stressful experience. There's lots of stuff that you don't want to forget. There's lots of stuff that you'd like to do, but you need to make some steps to make it happen. But it's all just kind of floating around there uh, in a jumble. And so uh, getting it out of your head can be really helpful to see what are the things I want to think about. But if you really want to stop worrying about stuff, it's not enough just to get it out into a list because you actually need a reliable process, a trusted process, for actually dealing with the stuff once you've got it out. <coughs> uh, you've got to work out uh, what you're going to do with the things on your list. 
So what Alan says is gather all the information, all the stuff that you've got in all your different inboxes. And most of us have different inboxes. We might have, um, you've got your email inbox, you might just be writing stuff on scraps of paper or in a notebook. Um, you might um, have text messages from people or Facebook messages uh, that you want to do something with. Uh, could be any number of different uh, inboxes. But get all that stuff together and then you can start to make decisions about what you're going to do with it. Might be, uh, might be a physical inbox that you've got on your desk that uh, whenever you get something you don't know what to do with it, you just chuck it in the inbox. Uh, that's a really helpful thing to do. But you've got to process it. So I've given you a diagram on the back of your sheet there um, about the process that David Allen outlines. And his process is once you've got all the stuff from your inboxes, you've got to ask yourself, what is this? Uh, is it an idea that you've had? Uh, is it a birthday card you got? <coughs> is it a message you need to reply to? An appointment you need to make? Um, a project that you want to work on? A holiday you'd like to have? A book you'd like to read? What is it? What does this thing that you've got represent? And then the critical next step is to ask, is it actionable? That is, can I do something about it now? Uh, and there might not be. There might be nothing you can do about it, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, it might just be junk. <laughs> you might go, this is, this is not worth my time. I'm just going to throw it out. And that's a really liberating feeling, actually, to chuck stuff out, to cross it off your list, to get rid of it. Um, it might just be junk mail or spam or whatever. Just throw it out. But it might be something that... Uh, you can't really do anything with, but you'd kind of like to keep it. So it might be a letter from a friend, or a postcard from your auntie who's travelling overseas, or uh, it might be some other thing that, uh, you know, like an article that you read online that you want to keep because it might be useful in the future. Uh, and in that case, he says, file it. Have some kind of filing system. Uh, it could be on your computer, uh, you could just take photos of stuff when you want to remember it and you file it away online or you could have a, a physical filing cabinet if you want to um, and you just file it away and it doesn't need to be a complicated filing system, just file it all alphabetically. Uh, give it a name that means something to you uh, and file it. Or maybe it's something that you'd like to do someday, like you might want to go travel to Europe, it might be a language that you'd like to learn, and you can't really do anything about it now, but you don't want to forget it either. So he says, just have a file that you call someday, or maybe, and you just write that down, say, organise trip to Europe, and chuck it in there. And then as you sort of come back to it, he sort of says, you should be working through this kind of every week, you have a bit of a look at it and you think, well, is it time to start work on that now or not? But you don't lose it and you don't have to have it floating around in your head worrying about it either. Uh, it might be something different. It might be uh, notes that you took for a class, for example. And you want to keep them because you want to study them later on, but you don't want to do it now. You want to leave it until you're closer to exams. Well, stick them in a file and put a reminder in your calendar 
that you want to have a look at it on a particular date. So to remind you where you put it and to pull it out again. But what if you can do something with it? Um, well, the options are kind of do it, delegate it, or defer it. So he says, if you've got an item that you can just do it in two minutes or less, just do it. Uh, if you can just quickly respond to that text or that email, or you can just quickly brainstorm, say, stuff you need to get next time you're at the shops, just do it then and there. Um, stop having it floating around, get it done. Or you can delegate stuff. So instead of going to the shops yourself, you could go, hang on, I know that Dad goes to the shops every Wednesday afternoon. Why don't I ask him if he can do it for me? I can give him the list. And, uh, and then you can write down on another little list, waiting for, say, waiting for Dad, read stuff from shops. And you can follow him up about it afterwards. Or if you've got something to do, but you don't want to do it right now, or you can't do it right now. So you might have an appointment at the dentist's. What do you do? Well, obviously you put it in your calendar, don't you? Um, when you've got a fixed thing that you can't shift, that you can't just do at any point, stick it in your calendar and make sure you check your calendar. But what if it's something that has to be, doesn't have to be done uh, at a set time? Well, he says, just have a list for what's next and write it, all your stuff down on that. If it's just one step, just write it down. And then whenever you've got some spare time, you can go, oh yeah, I can make that phone call or I can type up those notes or I can do whatever it is, I can read that book. If you really want to level up, uh, he says, then you can have multiple different lists. And so, like, I have uh, a list for stuff I can only do at uni. Uh, there's no point in me looking at it when I'm at home. I can only do it at uni. And then I've got stuff that I can only do at home. Like, if I've got to fix the toilet at home, there's no point in me knowing about that while I'm at uni. Can't do anything with that. Um, and then you might have lists for what you can do on your computer, what you can do on your phone. So I have a list of stuff, of phone calls that I should make, because I hate making phone calls. Um, but once I start, I can kind of get on a roll and I can knock them all out. So instead of having to start making phone calls multiple times, I only have to start once and then I just keep going until I finish them off. So you can have different lists for different stuff. But of course, not everything that you want to do can just be done in one step. Um, a lot of things we want to do take multiple steps, like assignments. So how do you tackle that? Well, he says, have another list for your projects and you can write them down. It might be, you know, you've got to write this assignment. Um, but how do you do that? Well, you never really do an assignment. You take a series of steps and then finally you're at the end and you hand the assignment in. But you can't do all the steps at once, usually. So just break it down. What's the next step? So it might be, um, well actually before you even do that, you want to think about what is the outcome I want from this thing? 
So say you get an assignment that's worth 5% of your mark. What do you actually want from that? I think a lot of us, because we're sort of, I don't know, we're sort of high functioning OCD kind of people who have been programmed to achieve at the highest possible level, regardless of any reason for it, um, tend to go, oh, I must get a high distinction in that thing. That's you know, that's what my school has told me, that's what my, my parents are telling me, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do to be able to get ahead. But is that actually the outcome that you want? If the assignment's worth 5%, how much work is it worth putting into it? Could you, instead of aiming for the high distinction, and that'll take you a week of work on it, could you instead go, actually, if I just pass this thing, and do it in a day, I, sure, I might only get two and a half percent instead of five percent, but what's two and a half percent? I can spend the rest of the week enjoying myself or studying for exams or whatever it is. Um, what is the outcome that I actually want from this thing? And then once you've got that in your head or written down, <laughs> um, you can actually start work on it. Maybe the next step uh, is to skim the relevant chapter in your textbook. And so you just write that down on your next action list. You don't need to work out all the steps, just the next one. Read the chapter. And then once you've done that, you think, oh, what's the next step from there? Or maybe I need to sum up what are all the key bits in the chapter that are relevant to my assignment. Okay, and once I've done that, what's the next step? Or maybe I need to put them into some kind of logical order and that could form the structure for my assignment. So you only ever, you can only ever do one step at a time. So why be anxious about trying to work out what all of them are? Just work out what the next one is and then knock that over and move on. Uh, and as you keep going, you just go step by step, <coughs> bit by bit, and then finally, you discover that you're at the end of the process. It's print assignment and hand in, or email to friend, or email to, uh, email to lecturer. And it might seem, this whole thing might seem really simple and obvious, and actually it is. It is simple and obvious, but it's actually a really powerful system that if you work it, if you stick at it, it will actually help you keep track of the stuff you want to do and then actually get it done. Not just for work or uni, but for sort of every aspect of life. I don't think it's very useful to have two separate systems for uni and the rest of your life because life overlaps so much. It's not distinct and clear cut. Just keep a list for everything. Now you do need to use the system, you've got to stay on top of it because if you're not actually working it through, then you will lose confidence that you're going to be reminded of the stuff that you need to do. And then you'll just go back to storing it all in your head and feeling anxious uh, about it all again. So uh, Alan recommends just doing a weekly review of all your stuff. Just grab all the stuff from your inboxes, work out what you're doing with each item, update all your projects, uh, and you just got to keep using the system so that you trust the system. Um, so you don't forget stuff and you don't worry about it either. 
So, yeah. I might just give you a moment to grab one of the items on your list that you wrote before and just run through that process with it. What would you do with it? Uh, is it something you can do something with? Do you just want to chuck it out and say, yep, that's just not worth my time and effort? Do you want to, um, do you need to store it? Do you need to schedule it? Do it, delegate it, defer it? Go for it. <clears throat> Cool, all right. <clears throat> so I think this is a really helpful system. Um, it's worth reading up on it more if you want to. Um, I'll stick the talk up online so you can listen to it a bit more. But most of the, basically everything you need to know is on that handout in terms of the process. But I think there's a bigger issue lurking behind all of this stuff that Alan doesn't really address. And that's the question of what's actually worth doing. What is the point of all our activity? And that's actually an issue that the Bible addresses and it has some serious wisdom about it. Uh, one of the major places that it talks about it is in a book called Ecclesiastes. And it's only a, quite a short book. Uh, you could probably read the whole thing in an hour or two. But it's one of the most profound books that you'll ever read. And in it, the author, he calls himself the teacher, raises the question of what do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? And he looks at the world and he, he notices that everything just kind of goes on and on and round and round and generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. And he tries various experiments of how to get some profit out of life. He indulges in pleasure, wine and women, and all the delights that he can think of. He just accumulates wealth, he builds great buildings, he tries to be as wise as he possibly can, and yet in the end he realises that he can't actually gain anything. He can't profit from life, because death takes it all. There's a story uh, that when John D. Rockefeller died uh, in 1937, he was the richest man in the world at the time. He made all his money out of oil wells in Texas. When he died, a journalist asked his accountant, uh, how much did he leave? And the accountant said, all of it. <laughs> of course, he left all of it. <laughs> he doesn't get to take any of it with him. Or as the prophet Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Nothing. You gain nothing. You can't take any profit out of life. So what's the point? Uh, what are you trying to achieve in getting things done? What do you think it will achieve? Uh, Jesus once told a parable. 
says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. Smart guy, right? This is business 101. I'm producing more than I can store. It's going to waste. What will I do? I'll build bigger barns, make good investments. Had himself all set up so that he could retire early and enjoy life. But there's a sting in the tail of it because he says to himself, take life easy, eat, drink and be merry, which is the first half of a famous ancient proverb that actually comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's what happens to him. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. He says, life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions or experiences or even wisdom because none of that will last. Death will take it all. The rich man, the poor man, the wise man and the fool, they all die. They all get to take exactly the same amount with them. Nothing. But the tragedy is that people just ignore that obvious reality. Uh, they live for things that they can't keep and it just gets increasingly desperate and sad. People kind of frantically try to accumulate more wealth or more experiences because what else is there to do? So we try to distract ourselves with making money, racking up experiences, getting things done, trying to complete our bucket list while trying to push back in our minds the fact that we are going to kick the bucket someday. You look at someone like Richard Branson, um, and he's got everything that a man could want. But does he look like he's having a good time? I reckon you look at the pictures of Richard Branson, he looks like he's trying awfully hard to have a good time, but not really getting there. Beautiful women, successful company, his own private island where he can go jet skiing with his virgin girls, his ageing mates and with their increasingly desperate smiles, trying to find something that'll make life worthwhile, trying to milk some satisfaction out of it while death looms ever closer. It's getting things done. But what's actually worth doing? Well, Jesus says it's not building bigger barns. It's not having bigger experiences. It's not getting a bigger brain. It's not being rich towards yourself. It's being rich towards God. It doesn't mean giving God money. Like uh, you two famously said, the God I believe in isn't short of cash, mister. Uh, he means investing your time in knowing God and enjoying him. And that's what's ultimately worth doing. That's what's worth getting done because that's the one thing that death can't take away. Can't take away your relationship with God. And that's actually what Jesus came to do. He came to make us right with God so that we can be forgiven for ignoring him. We can get to know him. We can enjoy him forever. And when that's what your life is about, then everything else just kind of falls into place. The assignments, your job, lying out on the grass under the sun. None of it will last, but it doesn't matter because that's not what life was about. You can just enjoy them as good gifts from God. They won't give your life meaning and purpose. But if you know God, they don't have to.
He does all that for you. So is it worth getting things done? Well, yeah, in a temporary kind of sense, but only once you've got that big thing sorted out first. The one thing that you must do is be rich towards God. He's what life is all about. The rest are just temporary gifts. Okay. Any questions? Any apps? As in, like, I was just thinking... Sorry, I'm taking this back to step two. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I was just thinking, are there any apps or anything that you know of that are, like, misty? Oh, yeah, there's stacks. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Todoist, um, Don't Forget the Milk. Oh, yeah. uh, I use... Um, what do I use? Um, I can't even think. <laughs> I'm so used to using it. What do I use? Let me have a look. <coughs> Here we go. What's that? Uh, OmniFocus. There we go. OmniFocus. But that's expensive. So don't use that. <laughs> it's great, but <laughs> you don't need it now. Um, yeah, there's heaps. Like if you look on the App Store, go to um, Productivity, it's like all those sort of apps. But you don't need them. You can do it with post-it notes on the back of an envelope. Yeah. But if you're if you like tech, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? Have you guys come across anything like that before? Like that sort of process? I feel like it's common sense. Yeah. <laughs> It is. So it's not like, oh my goodness, this is totally new. No. So part of me is like, it is totally new because I'm hopefully going to start using it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's common sense, but yeah, yeah, we often don't do it, I think. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, if you've got any more questions, come and grab me afterwards. Um, oh, there are, um, Carlos can tell me that there are feedback forms. If you want to scribble down your details, um, uh, if you want to find out anything more about Jesus uh, or talk about Christianity, feel free to tick that. If you've just got a question for me, um, you can write that down and I'll flick you an email with some kind of answer, hopefully. Takara on the way out. Thanks for coming and listening. Um, I'll pop the talk up online. There's another couple as well on um, resistance, like why do we find it so hard to get started doing stuff, and procrastination. They're up online at gettinglife.me as well. Uh, you can check them out. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs>